0: Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 33 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. I believe our next guest is back in the great state of Minnesota after spending close to a month straight in New York City, he is our headliner today for touchback safety. From fall protection to forklift turning, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. He joined us for a quick hit on Friday. He was working uh, all throughout last week, uh, multiple hours. We welcome back to the show former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He built up the Octagon Agency from the NHL Network, Brian Lawton. Hello, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? Now, I'm good. Uh, i got to ask you, because this happens to me all the time after an extended road trip. Usually my daughter calls me uh, the last day that I'm on the road and says, what time does mom's boyfriend have to leave now? Uh, When do you get back? (laughs) (laughs) You were gone a month. Uh, Was your family happy to see you or not? Well, uh, one of my boys
1: just graduated from college so it doesn't matter to him the other one goes to the university of wisconsin so he doesn't care but my daughter cares she's 16 years old and she was thrilled to see me as was my dog and hopefully my wife too
0: yeah uh well my dog anakin's quite happy to see me at the best of times my daughter's 17 and uh, she could give a lot of boys out there a run for their money in terms of uh her knowledge of hockey uh my son doesn't care a bit about it he'd rather talk about star wars all right well let's get uh let's get right to it uh now that the weekend has passed and kind of edmonton situation is pretty much done i mean they don't have any more cap space and uh we had ken holland on yesterday uh Give us your overall assessment of the body of work for the Edmonton Oilers from your perspective.
1: Uh, I think it was good. It wasn't overwhelming. I think they're still fighting. You know, Ken is still fighting some of the challenges that he inherited, and obviously the the flat cap has hurt him not more than anybody because there's a lot of teams that are hurt, but it's it's hurt the ability of the club to probably be a little more active. People are anxious. When I talk to people about Edmonton, they're anxious. They know we've got two great stars, um, you know, which is enough as people look around to say, well, what about all these other teams that had two great stars, like the Penguins or Blackhawks or even LA Kings? When is our turn going to be to rise up and win a Stanley Cup? So I, I understand all sides of it. Um, I like Some of the specific moves, I thought the Tyson-Berry move was exceptional. Uh, A one-year deal at that rate is clearly Tyson-Berry just saying, look, I want to play on your team for my skill set. I think I can help you win, and I think I can look really good doing it. So I like that move. Uh, I like Jesse Pugliarvi, quite frankly, returning to the club. Uh, That never happens if you don't make some changes certainly in the locker room with the coach and also uh, in the boardroom with the general manager. So I think that's really fortuitous for Edmonton. Kyle Turris at that pay rate is a good bet. I think it's either going to be really good or not so good. I don't think there'll be any in between. I think there's a higher percentage chance that it ends up really good than not so good. And then bringing Mike Smith back, I I don't think that was probably optimal when you looked at the goalie market and yet when you looked at the assets available to the club i think it was the right decision for them so you know all in all it uh they didn't have the best free agency so far but i thought they were pretty productive for the environment that they're working out of
0: should they have gone higher than six times six uh and they didn't uh, and we know how challenged they were wise. And they wouldn't have been able to make a bunch of these other moves if they did. But should they have gone and should they have bettered Calgary's offer for Markstrom? Or or do you believe conversely that might be a deal that bites Calgary back at some point?
1: Oftentimes I think that it will, but that's generally not the case in the short term. And that is a challenge for managers and a lot of guys look beyond that. I think it would have been really hard to justify this Oilers club doing that at this time with where they're at. Um, So, no, I I don't think they necessarily should have. Uh, I do think that there's a chance for Calgary if all of a sudden we get a vaccine, hockey's back to normal, things pop back quickly, then that deal will work out fine for them. If the current environment continues to linger on for another season or two, I think they'll be really challenged with that deal. And that's all you're trying to do is weigh that risk. And, you know, Brad tree leaving uh, may have some different marching orders than Ken Holland. They don't have identical situations. I think Brad certainly had more flexibility. Yep. It's just inherently less risky for him. So what about you? Can play those games all the time, Bob. Those are the tough, tough decisions right. and the tough job that these guys have.
0: So uh, you know, Crawford signed two years in New Jersey, three point nine. Grice, two years, three point six to Detroit. I mean, we know the Oilers talked to the agents representing those goaltenders as well. Maybe even that was too much. At the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? And two year term, sure. not a, not a. I mean, they got. Taurus one year at 165 and Barry, or sorry, two years at 165 on Taurus and, you know, Barry one year at uh, 3.75. I I mean, they wouldn't have Barry if they signed one of those other two goalies, I guess. And that's, I guess that's the balancing act, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, you know, they're they're really handicapped with the cleft bomb situation right now. Yep. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen there. You don't even know when the season's going to start. So I think that put a pretty tight grip on the possibility for the Oilers. They could have made a really aggressive call and said, well, he won't be back, so we can at least move to LTI and extend our cap and add an, at least replace or add another player with that 4.2 AV that Cliff bomb has. Um, that didn't happen, and you and I, uh, although we may know a few things about the Oilers, we don't have all of the exact information that right. can follow
0: or Dave Tippett does yeah absolutely we're joined right now by Brian Lawton from the NHL network uh Brian switching focus because uh, you made your point about Barry out there when he was on the precipice of signing in Edmonton I'd like to get your thoughts on a couple other uh I mean obviously there was nowhere near the amount of money that's been in past years and especially impacted sort of the middle tier of forwards Taylor Hall one year eight million to Buffalo your thoughts
1: makes absolutely no sense to me. Zero. Uh, Taylor, you know, is fighting a constant battle in terms of wanting to prove that the one year's MVP isn't an anomaly with the rest of the years in his contract in order for him in his career. In order for him to do that, he needs to win in the playoffs. Coming into this year, he had won the grand sum total of one playoff game. So I thought that the mandate was going to be don't worry about maybe the top-line number this year. Put yourself in a position the way Tyson Berry or Kevin Shattenkirk did last year, and and then come back and get paid for it and do a long-term deal. I can't understand why he wouldn't sign with a team like Colorado or Edmonton, somebody of that ilk that has a chance to do well in the playoffs but also has real key players that he would play with. To go to Buffalo at a big number makes absolutely zero sense for me. I was kind of, uh, I don't want to say uh, disappointed. It's not my career, it's his. But I thought he might approach this differently. The money is so mitigated this year because we don't even know how long a season we're going to have. Right. In theory, in theory you and I could have a long argument about it definitely won't be an 82-game season. Well, we know that. So we, like already, that, yeah, right. we already know you're deferring 10%, okay, that is what it is. You're going to lose 20% of the 90%, so another 18% to escrow, and then we don't know that we're going to have a full 82-game season. So when I add it all up, the money seems stupid. This is the one time where I would so, say it seems foolish to consider that as a headline driver.
0: So, hypoth- which is my opinion all right, Brian. So you're, I mean, you're obviously worked with Octagon. You were in the business of getting the best deal possible for your player. Ken Holland calls Darren Ferris and says, Look, I only got about $4 bucks to spend. In that scenario, are you suggesting that Hall, if that was in the range of, say, Edmonton and Colorado, and I don't know if it was, just for a full disclosure, is taking like, you know, 50 to 40%. Or, sorry, 50 to 60% elsewhere. Is it worth giving up that much, do you think? If Buffalo was offering eight?
1: The best decision for Taylor Hall would have been to go to the best team that puts him in the best position to shine well for his career as an agent. I did this in the past with players, uh, and it always worked out. You got to bet on yourself. That's not a bet on yourself to go to Buffalo. Yeah, I know we could say he'll play with Jack Eichel. And, you know, I don't know. Jack Eichel's a shooting center. He's a scoring center. I don't think it's the best spot. It's not a lot of optionality for him. I know he knows Ralph Kruger; That's good. But the quality of the team, and I bet they'll be better with a guy like Taylor Hall, but they won't be at the level of some of the teams that he could have put himself in a really good position. You want to win. You want to get paid, go win. That's good. the way you do it in the new world. This is kind of a throwaway year salary-wise for hockey players. Yeah. If you do the math and we play 60 games, we'll then work backwards from there. $8 million, $4 million, it doesn't matter. It's not a good decision for him, in my opinion.
0: Okay, okay. I kind of understood the decision from both parties. I mean, Buffalo, they do a one-year drive on him. He does, you know. And and the other thing, I'll, I'll I'll ask you. said Edmonton and Colorado would have been better situations. You, uh, the Oilers are going to have cap space in a year from now. We know that. Um, would Edmonton be a better situation for him in a year from now? Yeah, yeah.
1: He'll still he'll still get paid, but. He's going to really hurt his value if he doesn't have a big year, in my okay. opinion. Okay. That's what's at stake. And so now you're looking at hurting your value over that big long-term deal that you want to get, which may be six or seven or eight years potentially. Right. Um, versus getting paid minimal extra dollars. He got paid minimal extra dollars when you really go through what's going to happen for NHL players' salaries this coming year that's just math that part is not arbitrary Um, to me it just makes no sense bob i didn't uh, i didn't get that one i wish him well i think he's a good player i hope that uh you know he can drive big numbers and he gets paid
0: hey i've i mean i think you know my feelings on this if we get to the summer of 21 and the oilers can afford a guy in the six to seven million dollar range on a longer term deal and this is after getting Nugent Hopkins done, and after having a, a, a bridge on a guy like Ethan Bear, and getting a bridge on Kyler Yamamoto, I'd be all for Hall coming back. I'd also consider, you know, what if I'm the Oilers? I know what Oilers fans think of Brendan, put it this way, Brendan Gallagher is the type of guy even Boston fans like, because of how he plays the game. Um, Jerry Johansson represents Brendan Gallagher. He's based here in Edmonton. Gallagher is the only Montreal Canadiens player in the last three years to score 30 goals. He's done it twice. He tied for the team's scoring lead last year at 22. Are you surprised how that situation has unfolded in Montreal with the Canadians doing a seven-year deal for Josh Anderson, who scored one goal last year, and I like Josh Anderson, Brian, and then doing the four-year deal on Toffoli? Are the Canadians headed down an, an inevitable path, and are you surprised by the direction that things have gone with Gallagher?
1: Um, my initial reaction is nothing surprises me that comes out of Montreal because <laughs> <laughs> I can never figure out what they're doing. Um, and I don't mean that negative. I love the fact that burge he just kind of lets it all hang out. He swings for the fences. I, I have no problem with that. He's a gunslinger. I just don't see as much consistency or logic behind the moves. And my honest answer is that, yes.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: I'm a little bit surprised Brendan Gallagher isn't getting a little more respect. That's about the best way I could sum it
0: up. I, I, like if I'm them, I get making the move for Anderson. You know what? Domi wasn't happy. Anderson's a winger. He's a heavier, you know, and Domi obviously punches above his weight class when he plays a physical game. But Josh Anderson has a chance to be a real good power forward. Uh, he has had the shoulder injuries, but if I'm the Canadians, I would have re signed Gallagher instead of signing to Foley, even if it meant going a couple extra million per year. So that one, and I would, I would, do you think there's any concern? Like, you look at Tyler Johnson, and nobody claimed him on waivers. Do you think that the, for some of those smaller guys over time that play bigger than they are, do you think that might affect a guy like Gallagher potentially in free agency next year?
1: Um, Well, the difference between Gallagher and Tyler Johnson was the best forward on the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2015, leading up to their finals run until he broke his hand. That is not the same player today in 2020. Brendan Gallagher is is still playing at a level that's very, very close to who he's been, certainly uh, for the last three or four years. So they'd be viewed totally differently. So Tyler had an off year for sure. They won the Cup. He's got a lot of term. He's got a big salary. I would have fell over drunk if someone had picked him up on waivers, to be honest with you. So, so that wasn't a surprise. That was not a surprise to me.
0: Okay. Uh, so you think if he goes to free agency, if Bergie doesn't get him done here, uh, there will be a fair amount of interest in Gallagher?
1: Oh, I think there would be a ton of interest. I think everybody's got time for a guy that works that hard. It yeah. takes a beating that he takes. Now, does that mean he's going to get seven years? No, but you could imagine his agent is having a field day, Jerry, with the fact that Josh Anderson, who, as you already pointed out, hasn't played a lot and signs that type of a long-term deal at $5.5 That would be tough to reconcile. And those things play into it. You cannot ignore that. So Burge had to know that when he signed that contract.
0: Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, started Octagon as an agency, and uh, you talk about, you know, reconciling things, and I look at what happened with Alex Petrangelo. When the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, Jay Bomeister played with Colton Pareko, Petrangelo was in the other pairing. A year later, the left shot, Jay had the the unfortunate, uh, you know, uh, cardiac arrest incident, uh, unlikely to play again. And, and then Petrangelo's gone, and they've basically replaced those two guys who are both big horses on the back end with Justin Falk and Tori Krug, who has been completely, um, uh, in Boston over the years, protected, insulated in the Boston lineup because Z- Zdeno Char has played the toughest minutes against, well, pretty, he's pretty much played the toughest minutes for the last 14 years in the NHL. Uh, I, look, Doug Armstrong won a Stanley Cup. Who am I to second-guess Doug Armstrong? I got to tell you, Brian, I would have focused on getting Petrangelo done first before I traded Edmondson for Falk, and now they've signed Krug, two smaller Puck moving D, yes. Little they've lost Petrangelo. I'm kind of perplexed by the the confluence. Even moving Edmondson for Folk. Like they could have re-signed Edmondson and had Edmondson and Petrangelo. I'm I'm perplexed by it all. What about you?
1: I would be in the same boat as you. The only difference will be that I negotiated with Doug for Mike Madano when he was in Dallas, and Doug absolutely stuffed me on Mike Madonna's last contract. And he didn't do it on purpose or maliciously or anything like that like that. He just believed correctly, I might add, that Mike Madano would not leave Dallas under any circumstances. We did a long term deal for Mike. It was really important for his life. He'd had some off ice troubles not related yep. to hockey. Right. Financially. And that was a really that's how I got hired into that deal. And I got to tell you, I tried everything with Mike. Hey, Mike, I need you to go to Chicago and talk to them. I'm not going to do that, Brian. I'm only going to re-sign here. <laughs> I mean, I know, but you got to go to Chicago and you got to go through it. You know, it's a legitimate team. They got real interest. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, I need you to go to Boston. They got it. No, I'm not going to do that either. Doug Armstrong was relentless on me on that deal. He absolutely stuffed us. It bugs me to this day, although I love Doug because I think he's an excellent general manager, and he did what he's supposed to do. Did he get caught up in that with Alex Petrangelo? I have spent a few moments at night thinking about that, except this time he got it wrong. And that may hurt them significantly, as you're pointing out. So it's very, very interesting. That's my own personal experience. I can tell you. That that was, I don't get too worked up, or I never did on these negotiations. It's just business. Yep. That one really bothered me. I got stuffed.
0: Well, didn't you get $9 million a year for
1: Medano? No. No. This was his last deal. We got like five and a quarter. Oh, wow. It wasn't, it wasn't we, got, we got more term than Doug wanted to give, but he just, it was terrible. I had Tom Hicks on the phone before that one was over and done and what a salesman he was (laughs) it was crazy so wow but but we did not win that negotiation in any stretch of the imagination mike wanted to stay there um he was non helpful in the negotiation i wasn't happy with that um but doug doug just flat out uh was absolutely resilient and he budged next to nothing and he, he won that negotiation. He did a great, he did a great job. I I absolutely can tip my cap to him. That's what he's supposed to do, and he did it.
0: Okay, well he that's lost. okay. But that said, he's lost Petrangelo. He traded Edmondson for Falk. Uh, and talk about redundancy. They had Petrangelo, Falk, and Pareko as right shots. I would have thought Petrangelo and Pareco were good enough. Now he signs Krug. Meanwhile, Petrangelo goes to Vegas. Is Vegas getting into a situation, you know, they sort of were the little underdogs that overachieved in the first couple of years, and they seem to have a real good culture, and now they've fired the coach, and they've moved out. You know, they bring in Leonard, though apparently it looks like Leonard's going to miss the start of the season, whenever that is. Now they've traded out Schmidt, who, who's a pretty good defenseman, and they bring in Petrangelo. I got, I got to tell you, I mean, they're chasing all of the big dogs. They chase Stone. They tra- chase Patch. and got him, and got those guys committed. Um, it, are are they like? I, it's hard to argue with getting Alex Petrangelo, But could there be a little, you know, are are they undermining a bit of that culture that made them successful in the first place? Do you think?
1: Yes, there's been a little bit too much noise around that franchise. Now. Do I love what's going on as a, as a fan or even a broadcaster? I do, they're as aggressive <laughs> as they can be. They threw the playbook out the window. They're supposed to be just ramping up now to having some winning seasons. It went way faster than that. There's two types of GMs I talk to out there because I talk to a lot of them. And some of them are in tune with the new world where I got a, you want, you want me to take Tyler Johnson, you got to pay me assets right. or keep salary. Very simple. Other ones say, no, no, that's not the way it works. If I have a good player, I've got to get paid for that player. Or I'm not trading him. Vegas has moved mountains off of that position. They obviously should have done something with Marc-Andre Fleury. They would not cave in to those desires by their peers around the league. Kelly McCrimmon said, no, no, doesn't work that way at all. You don't want to pay me for Marc-Andre Fleury? I'm not going to give him to you. I'm not going to pay half his salary. I'm not going to give you a first-round or pick or a second-round pick even. I'm just not going to do it. At some point, you got to be in tune with what's going on. Right now, I think Vegas is, you know, they've put together a good team on paper. Alex Petrangelo will play very well for them for at least six years, in my opinion. I agree. Big move. It is a big move for them, just like Mark Stone is a big move for them. Yeah. So I got to tip my cap to them in that way. I don't like the noise around the club. I love the culture they created, which some people takes a long time, a long history of winning. They did it right from the start. Uh, I give George McPhee a lot of credit for that. I give Bill Foley a lot of credit for that. Kelly was assistant GM. He certainly gets credit. But now Kelly is the GM. And there's a lot more noise around that team, and I'm interested to see how that plays out.
0: It's Somebody said today, it's like, uh, and it was a long-time uh, hockey observer said to me, Bob, it's like whoever the next shiny toy is, they got to be in on them. And uh, you know what? It's tough to argue with Petrangelo, though you're getting a difference maker. Brian, look, we appreciate all the time you've given us here over the last uh, year-plus. Have a couple days off on us, okay? <laughs> Join Minnesota. Yeah, I appreciate it, Bob. All right. <laughs> thank you very much. Th- th- uh, thank you very much. That is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. He's our Oilers now headliner. Brought to you by Touchback Safety from fall protection to forklift training. Trust the experts at TouchbackSafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Roos Chris Steakhouse, greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated, and it's open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. David Staples, Culta Hockey. Is uh, coming up here at uh, about one hundred six after a global news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio
1: 6:30. Chad.